Hey, Mac, when does deer season start? Well, if you want the best deer herd possible, Lanny, you need to start right now. Right now. That's, That's why right. we're starting our promotion. I mean, we've got a deer season starts now promotion on plantbiologic.com where you can pick up our game changer soybeans, our forage soybeans, and our spring protein peas. While you're there, you might as well go ahead and pick up some brassicas like our final forage and winter bowls. Yeah, stock up for the cool season planting right now. Listeners to the GK Podcast, if you use coupon code GKPOD, you can save an additional 10% off our entire selection of warm season, cool season, and clover food plot seed. Get started today and visit plantbiologic.com for an unforgettable fall. I am Jeff Foxworthy, and welcome to Gamekeeper Podcast. If you want to learn more about farming for wildlife and habitat management, then, buddy, you are in the right place. Join the Gamekeeper crew direct from Mossy Oak Land Enhancement Studio as they discuss the latest wildlife and habitat management practices, news, and, of course, hunting. There's no telling what you'll learn, but I'm going to tell you, I bet it's interesting. Enjoy. We're live in three, two, one. All right, I'm exhausted before we even get this one rolling, guys. Goodness <laughs> gracious. This is uh, Welcome to West Point, Mississippi, uh, home of Mossy Oak Brand Camo, the Gamekeeper Studio. We got, because of it's the week of Thanksgiving, there's just a lot going on. Lanny's out because he was exposed to COVID, we think. Mm, mm, Dudley's mm. got a yeast infection. or what, what, <laughs> UTI. What, UTI. And so he's got a little But I'm still him. here. You yeah, know, you're, I'm, you're I'm still a hard here. worker. Mac, we think, has got something. Oh, we, we, we went through the list of what he potentially could have a little while ago, and it's scary. So we've got Vandy sitting at the end of the table. He looks like he's angry about something and uh, i think half your family's sick as well oh you? yeah, yeah, so yeah. You're, you're dealing with kind it of, kind of the way it is with kids yeah and we, we had everybody well for about three days at my house so well vandy we're glad to have you here and uh and then sitting in lanny's chair is jess rayleigh which is just it proves the fact we are scraping the bottom of the barrel trying to get people <laughs> in here, here, here we are take what you can get so jess is uh until you start paying guests, you're going to be stuck with people like us. So, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah, we will. So uh, we're going to talk about deer stories. we got a few that are already recorded and anxious to hear a few from some of you guys. And uh, so uh, we all love a deer story. And, uh, you know, it's just, just one of my favorite things to do. So we're going to proceed on. We're going to. We, we got some good ones to tell, and Dudley, you look you're looking at me. Uh, well, I'm just I'm sitting here. I've, I've deer hunted my whole life, and I I don't have a good deer story. I've got good duck stories. I've got good turkey stories. I've I've got all kinds of good stories, but I just don't have a good deer story. So I'm looking forward to hearing some of what everybody else has to say. So have y'all noticed how much things are costing now? It's everything is costing more. Yeah. So I'll give you an example. Jess, I'm looking at you. What about, do you know the difference, the, the cost difference in deer nuts and beer nuts? No. Uh-uh. You know, beer nuts right now, they're about $4 a can. And deer nuts are under a buck. All right, well, I've never heard that one before, have y'all? <laughs> all right, I'm going to go back and answer the phones, y'all. All right, all right. I do know that it is very expensive to do anything these days. 
Uh, hell, even just a McDonald's meal for you and your family drive through is like fifty dollars. Yeah, ridiculous. Cl- a little closer to the microphone. Yeah, I, there, I yeah, think a turkey is like twenty five <laughs> bucks now. It is. It's you go to Mexican restaurant or any fast food, whatever. It's forty fifty dollars for a family of four to just to eat. It ridiculous. is. Yeah. So speaking of family four, Anna. Anna. How you boys Allen, doing? Harmon. Everybody's great. All right. Well, good. Well, Soccer, karate, all the hunting. Fishing, all the family stuff is going on. Most importantly, did you find your truck keys? I did not. I had to get a new one. Not great. Yeah. Not cheap. That reminds me of the time I... Speaking of high cost. (laughs) That reminds me of the time I lost the keys to the biologic (laughs) truck. For Uh, what? A year and a half? Yeah, it was like a year and a half. And my wife was going through some boxes in the attic. And they were in the very bottom of a box in the attic. Like, I don't know if one of my kids. That's just, not a place to keep your keys, does yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, wow. And didn't the truck just end up sitting in your driveway? For <laughs> <it>? <laughs> yeah. 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 We couldn't find anybody. Well, that's a long story, but we couldn't get anybody to rekey it. Rekey it. So, Mac, what about blood on the biologic? There is so much going on. We don't have enough time to talk about it, but you got any highlights that you've seen? Uh, yeah. I mean, shoot, Jesse killed a good deer. Yeah, she did in Oklahoma. Yeah. That was uh, Jesse Cole. Yeah, my daughter, Bobby's Jesse, daughter. Sure yeah, and then you had some friends in Missouri and in, in Tennessee that killed some big deer. Didn't yeah, you? Patrick with Dead in Game Calls killed a couple good deer. I mean, killed a one sixty seven in Missouri and then a one eighty in East Tennessee. Both over biologic. They're using it every evening. It's wow. crazy. That's tough. Well, I saw a couple of kids. There's a, a little girl from Montgomery that uh, I'm friends with her father, and her name is Mary Knox Dozier. She killed her first deer this weekend. That was pretty cool to see. And then our own uh, Austin, his son Lane killed a deer this past weekend. So that's uh, awesome. And Hayden Wallace killed one. So uh, it's so, it's happening for sure. Yeah, uh, more kids I've found on Facebook. Uh, my cousin Tyler Hardy, the the guy that got bit in the head with a copperhead, who was on our podcast. His daughter Asley got a big old six point, her first deer. And then uh, I was looking at the Mississippi Whitetails page. My buddy Justin Maloof, I know I've mentioned him already, killed a big deer with his recurve. But his daughter killed a 271-pound buck in Mississippi. Good Lord. That, that is a big deer. a big boy. And uh, big he's boy been, uh, this is, I think this is year three on him planting a bunch of our radishes. But you should have seen all the fat on that thing. It was that's a heavy deer, anyway. Two hundred and seventy-one. Yeah. That's something you would kill in Iowa, you know. Do we have a photo of that we can look at? That's uh, it's on gosh. the it's on the book of faces. Yeah, hmm. yeah. Bet. I think she's already killed a bunch of deer. She's good at it. Bobby, have you killed anything at the Ponderosa? No, no. Just... No, it's uh, you know. Thank you, Vandy. But no problem. Has Jesse killed anything on the? No, no. That's my biggest. Bo- Bobby's trying to send her all over the country yeah, so she, she doesn't kill yeah, everything. Well, we have this text going. She'd be like, "Yeah, we don't have any deer on camera, no big ones yet." And I'm like, "Well, your dad's just not sharing." <laughs> he is deleting those pictures. He is no, deleting there's, those there's, pictures. There's no, there's no pictures of big deer. I've seen them. Very disappointing. I've seen well, let me set you up. This is Chris Holly. Uh, he is uh, the head guy, I guess, the president of Mossy Oak Properties. And uh, he look he if you if it's about rural real estate this guy knows about it he's super smart when it comes to that kind of stuff and uh, we're we're lucky to have him on our team for sure and uh, Chris uh, hails from down around uh, 
Well, he's over there in West Alabama. He, the, usually, he and I don't talk this week with the Auburn and Alabama game going on. We, <laughs> we don't we don't talk, so we're not going to mention that. Uh, but Chris, we want to hear a good deer story, so we'll let we'll turn it over to you. Well, Bobby, I'm going to start. You know, when you called me the other day and wanted a, a, a deer story, of course, the first thing comes through mind was David Hunter's first deer, their biggest deer, you know, their first bow kill. And I got to thinking of all those stories. And now we've got the next generation coming on. Grayson's next up. So we've got um, we, we got five grandsons, and we just had a granddaughter. They're six, four, three, two, one. So... Anyway, we're the next generation's coming up and starting a deer hunt. Grayson's going. He's been three times this year. He's had two uh, uneventful hunts, and then he had a really good one the other day. But it's funny because uh, he's. I'm like Grayson, why didn't you shoot that buck? And I'll probably say I want to shoot a big one. And I'm like, well, Grayson, just so when Hunter and David were coming up, they they were. I was like, man, y'all wait for a big one. Don't shoot one of these little bucks. And now my tune has changed. I said, man, I just want y'all to have fun. Y'all just kill a bunch of bucks, you know. So anyway, and I'm taking Hampton because he wants to go with his brother. So I'm taking Hampton, and we're practicing. And the other day we went. Peggy dropped us off at the stand so we wouldn't spook anything getting into the box. And so we got into the shooting house and. Man, as soon as we got there, we like, man, Grayson, look, I mean, Hampton, there's a there's a nice little eight point right there, and you know we we've got a gun, we don't even have it loaded, and so then there's another buck, and those start piling in the field. Well, thirty minutes later, he said they're just deer everywhere, and it's a great afternoon, and Hampton said, Papa said we probably need to go back to the house. We've seen enough, and so anyway, I said, well, Hampton, man, it's a great day. Let's just we're gonna see a big buck here in a minute. We're gonna see some more. And, so five minutes later, he said, Papa, see, my stomach's hurting so bad. So I said, all right, let's go. So we're excited about the next generation, but I'm going to take you all back in time to something that was totally different than the way we hunt now. And it's, uh, we're going back to 1966. Um, I was from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And anyway, we didn't have a whole lot of deer back then. I mean, there was just pockets of deer around. To be honest with you, uh, I didn't see a live deer until uh, I was, well, probably seven or eight years old. And there were just such few deer, but we we dove hunted and we quail hunted. That was a great thing we had then. We had a really good quail population that I wish we had now. I'd do a little trade-off. And we squirrel hunted, rabbit hunted. So it was pretty much all small game. And so when I was nine years old, we, we were my dad came home one day and he said, hey, want to let y'all know I just joined a hunting club and we're going to go on, uh, uh, they've got deer drives. They have five deer drives a year. It's like every other week. And ironically, our first hunt was Thanksgiving weekend uh, in 1966. And so we, I was, we were so excited. I couldn't sleep the night before. And so right before the, that week, my mom and dad gave me a single shot, Stevens 20-gauge single shot for a Christmas present, early Christmas present. And you can imagine a nine-year-old how excited I was. And so anyway, we we go to Smoke uh, Smokehouse Hunting Club was the club we had joined, and it was in Ralph, Alabama, and going this deer drive. And I mean, really, when we pulled up to the camp right there, you couldn't have taken me to Disney World where I was any more excited. And I mean, there was just so much going on. And so just picture the the cabin was just an old rustic farmhouse that looked a lot like the fox trot at, at Toxie's cabins 
and it was real rustic looking, but it wasn't a foxtrot. And I mean, we had the dog guys over there, but a couple of things, 85% of the vehicles there were cars. We showed up in a Chevrolet Impala. And the only trucks there were these old uh, Willis Jeep trucks. I don't even think they had shock absorbers. If you ever drove in one one time, you never wanted to get one back in one. And so that's what they hauled the dogs and the standards around in. And so anyway, long story short, if, if y'all have ever read The Tenth Legion with Tom Kelly, the first time I read it, I said, my gosh, I didn't know he was a member of the Smokehouse Hunting Club because everything he talked about, the, the difference between a turkey hunter and a deer hunter, it was in that book. I mean, it was Smokehouse Hunting Club made all over again. So anyway, I mean, it, it was, uh, I can remember everything. I can remember the camp and just everything as we showed up that day and just excited. So it was my dad and my two brothers, um, Mike, he was um, four years older than me. So I was nine years old and Mike was 13 and Joe was uh, two years older than him. So he was 15 and nobody in my family had ever killed a deer. Like I said, there just wasn't many deer around. So they put us out on this deer drive and and anyway, we were on a little trail. I remember that. My dad was standing next to me, and uh, we could hear uh, dogs running and folks hollering and everything like you do on a deer drive. And, and we saw something move to the right. My dad said, don't shoot, don't shoot. There's, you know, and uh, don't pull your safety back to hammer back on the little savage. And it was two or three does that just kind of eased by us to the right right there. And where we were hunting, I know now that it was, it had been thinned or there was a, it, you know, it, it wasn't a clear cut because there was standing timber around, but anyway, we heard a lamb pop and this uh, huge buck, I mean, he just looked like an elk jumping over this treetop coming and he wasn't 20 yards in front of us. And my dad said, pull your hammer back. <laughs> and I did. And the deer just, when he, it was like in slow motion, but. I don't know if any of y'all have ever watched um, or remember the scene in the water boy when they're going to do the onside kick and <laughs> he's looking who to kick it to. That's, that's what I looked like when I saw first saw this deer and I pulled the hammer back and it, it was in, literally in slow motion. It was like that deer almost stopped and started turning. And when he hit the ground, I shot and he, I mean, he may have gone five or 10 feet. And I was so excited. And of course, my dad went up there and we didn't know what to do. I mean, we'd never been deer hunting, everything like that. And dad's hollering my brother because he's got a knife. And it was just such a cool experience and excitement and really set me on the path of, you know, loving to be outdoors and, you know, enjoying every minute of it. And it's so different from the way we hunt now, but it, uh, it was such a cool experience. And so that big deer, so I, let me back up. The, the hunting club, it costs $25 to get in the hunting club. And two years later, they, when they went up to 30 everybody bailed. They said, oh, we're just not going to pay $30 to go deer hunting. And so every, <laughs> the, the, club, the club dismantled when they went up from 25 to $30. But I do remember that my deer also cost $25 to mount. And it was the scrawniest little buck you've ever seen in your life. I mean, it was probably had an 8-inch spread. But when it came over that treetop for a nine-year-old who had never seen a buck in his life, it looked like the biggest elk you had ever seen in your So <laughs> exciting time. And, I mean, I got to share it with my brothers, and they eventually, it, you know, they 
they started killing deer after that and the deer hunting got better and better as you know the older we got and it's just amazing the what we've all done for to manage our deer and so anyway I know it's not an exciting story, but it it was for me. You, you know, know I, I'm just amazed at that age that the the first was, deer you shot at, you killed. Uh, uh, you know, you in said, running. You said you were nine. I was nine years old, yeah. and literally when he when he jumped and hit the ground, I mean, it, it was like answered prayers because it's it. He didn't hesitate, but he just kind of turned and kind of maybe stumbled just a little bit. Just a perfect broadside shot at twenty yards. You know, and so anyway, um, it was a cool experience. And of course, my brothers, I, I was like a hero that morning at the hunting club. And I will say this, that when this, this, you know, some of the traditions these hunting clubs had, they had kangaroo courts and everything like that. But this was my first year, my, my first buck, my first deer. And the things they did to me that day, uh, <laughs> folks would get arrested and put in jail now <laughs> it was not pleasant so my brothers they said we are never going to kill a deer at smokehouse hunting club i can promise you that <laughs> well it may have been better than missing a deer you know no. oh yeah yeah so Dudley along those lines so the next hunt they had i'd kill the deer and everybody knew me and you know because of the deer kill and they'd come up and talk to me so one of the guys that day missed and they have a kangaroo court, and, of course, you're always guilty. Nobody's ever innocent. You know, guilty till proven innocent. And so, anyway, they wanted – I had to paddle the guy. They would actually cut the shirt tail, <laughs> and they would paddle you. And so the first time I hit him, the hunt master said, no, nope, that ain't going to get it. You got you to gotta lay it to him. And so here's this guy, 60-something years old, and a nine-year-old kid taking a paddle and whooping him with it. You know? <laughs> That's great. Yeah, that is. That, look, I may have missed it. My bookie was calling me during the middle of some of that. But uh, do you still have those antlers? Uh, no, I don't, Bobby. So through transition and my parents moving and, and uh, years ago and stuff like that, uh, be honest with you, I'd hate for my kids. It's kind of like I don't want them to see my report card. I really don't <laughs> want the kids and the grandkids to see my first buck, you know? Yeah, I understand. I understand. Well, Chris, that was a great story. It really was. It's kind of walked down memory lane. I can. I've been on some of those dog hunts myself, and it. Uh, that that's just how it was back in the day. Yeah, and you know, Bobby, there's there's a certain part of that I wish that we could share with the next generation because there's certain parts of it now. If we have a deer hot drive, I want to do it on your place, and not mine. But anyway, <laughs> so. But there, you know, the social part and some of the traditions and stuff were pretty cool. You know, so anyway, but it was a fun time in my life because I got to share it with my family and brothers. And it's, you know, it was more of a social type hunt than it is today. Even Yeah. That's yeah. the reason I enjoyed quail hunting so much. Well, Chris, we sure appreciate it. Thanks again. And uh, y'all have, this is going to air after Thanksgiving, but we hope hope you have a, you and your family have a good Thanksgiving. Yeah, same to all y'all. Appreciate what y'all do and uh, great show and enjoy listening to it. Thanks, Chris. Oh, thank you. Great story. That was good. That was good. Yeah. I, All right. I'll have to say this. Uh, there's not too many nine-year-olds these days. There's there's exceptions, but there's not too many nine-year-olds that are proficient like that. No. With a fouling piece. Um, and uh, 
you know, it's, it's just different now. Well, and you would have had, he would have only had one shot right. at that, that buck coming through. But he had probably killed numerous doves and quail, squirrels, rabbits by the time he was nine years old. And so he was able to pull the hammer back on that shotgun and put it where it counts. Um, can't say I would have been able to do the same at nine. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I could either. So. I'd flunk some lead, but right. You know, I mean, I, I'd been toting a BB gun since I was five, I think, and I'd shot a little bit at doves and whatnot, but uh, I don't think I could have made that happen. No. Yeah. yeah. Pretty cool. Could for sure. All right. So, look, let's keep this thing moving along. Um, Richie, I've got uh, – we've got a, a, a friend, a guy that I knew growing up. You guys have met him through the years. He's mounted most everything in this building, Rhett Kelly. And uh, we got a story from him. So, if it, Richie, if you could cue that one up, please. Probably one of my favorite is always when I take my son, Zane, and, uh, you know, it's more fun to see him be successful than, than, than me. I've done it a long time, so it's, it's his time. And probably one of the, my favorite was uh, I took him to Kansas uh, when he was 19. He's 36 now, but so it's a long time ago. But we went out there. It's the first time he'd been anywhere like that, out of state. And we had about 700 acres to hunt. And so I take him in there that evening when we got there and, uh, and we're watching deer on the river bottom. And, uh, about that time, somebody drives in there and, uh, uh, you know, runs the deer off. They had like 13 acres joining it. So that was, I said, we could have done that back home in Alabama. So the next morning, um, we have to go about maybe three quarters of a mile to hook in there on foot to keep deer from smelling us, uh, wind direction and all. And needed to go to a certain place and, and got probably 300 yards from it. And I started seeing in hazy daylight, uh, uh, you know, black forms out there. I told Zanus, as far as we can go, we've got to sit here and just see what we do. And uh, and it wasn't but maybe 15 minutes. I see a really nice buck, uh, looked like a rake on his horns. I don't know how many points. It was just just a, a lot. And I said, there's buck. We've got to go try to get on him. It was... Uh, we needed to cover about 300 yards and there was an old dike there that uh uh you know so just a build up of ground that would keep the it was uh, you know to keep the river from flooding that agriculture co country and so we stayed on one side of that and worked down it fast as we could uh you know about 300 yards and i crawled up over the edge of it and peeped out there and deer spread out over 100 yards and and i see the big buck and but there's there's one maybe 50 yards from us so i crawled back down and told zane i said he's up there and be real careful because one may see you and blow the deal so we get up there and um he'd never rested a rifle on 
um, little fork sticks, you know, and so <laughs> had to do that, you know, kind of figure it out, you know, real careful, quick, and and I, I said it's the deer uh, that's feeding with his head down, and you can't see his antlers right now, and 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 that's that's the one with his with his rear tortoise, and you know when the deer finally raised his head, I heard Zane go, ah. Oh. <laughs> You know, so I said, "Hey, hey, pay attention! Don't don't get excited, but don't don't look at the horns. Don't look, and just look at the body. Watch him, and and you've got to wait till wait till he turns. And you know, a couple of minutes go by, and he turns broadside, and and I said, "All right, any time." And so I'm looking at him in binoculars, and. He blew me out of the binoculars with a muzzle blast, <laughs> and you look back, and all the deer are gone. I don't know, I don't know where they went. They're like quail hit the bushes quick, and and uh, he said he's a twelve point. And I said, what did I tell you? I don't know how many points he's got. You don't look at that, and so I'm, you know, wondering if he. He said, let's go look. I said, no, don't move uh just just wait i said you know maybe you know uh easing around in there if you didn't hit him and and he'll know where you are if you stand up so we waited about uh about 20 minutes and i didn't know but there was a depression there that he had dropped i said okay reload that clip and turn your scope down on lower power and let's start walking to him and it's pretty amazing so that's the biggest buck my son had ever killed and of course probably ever will and uh, it was pretty exciting he walks a circle around him and and he said daddy that's that's uh he's big isn't he i said yeah he's big <laughs> He was, uh, I think, 168 net, so uh, oh, quite a deer and, and an exciting deal for it. Well, really, to me, it was more pressure, uh, you know, than, than, of course, it would have been if you were hunting for yourself. Uh, so, fantastic day. That's a big deer. Yeah. hundred, uh, Basically, a 170-inch animal. Yeah. First deer. <clears throat> And then, you know, getting to walk up on something like that, like he was saying, walking a circle around and just being in awe and enjoying the moment, you know, that's that he'll never forget that. So what tickled me listening to it, though, is how Rhett had kind of alluded to don't look at his antlers. And yeah, then the first thing he says, he's a 12 <laughs> point. He's a 12 point. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and there's some lesson to be learned in Rhett's story if you're paying attention because he talks about, uh, you know, putting his scope back down. He shot him on a right. higher power and then put your scope back down. A lot of guys would forget to do that in the heat of the That's battle. A good point. And, and you got to give them a little time if you're unsure about things. You just don't run down there. So Yeah, sounds yeah. like I need to install some dikes uh, around my fields so I can sneak up on them better. That would sound like an interesting <laughs> place. The first yeah. time he'd been in there. That's crazy. But uh Kansas is, you know, Jeff Fox, we were talking about that great big deer he killed. That yeah. was Kansas. Yeah. All right. So, look, uh, Richie, let's call uh, Daniel Hayes. He's out of town today, but he's uh, sent word to us that, that he's got a story. So, uh, 
$20 says he doesn't answer. He'll answer. He was just texting us. Say you owe us $20. Yeah. I didn't shake anybody. <laughs> hey, Daniel, you'd, uh, you we I, we just won twenty dollars. Yeah, they said yeah, uh, yeah. he bet us twenty dollars. You wouldn't answer the phone. So. Dad, gum it. <laughs> oh well. How are you doing that. today? Appreciate that, Daniel. I'm I'm a little confused why Dudley thinks I wouldn't answer the phone after <laughs> sending you three minutes ago and telling you to call. He didn't have the inside information. I don't have he, an he an, have, I don't have an answer for that. He didn't have any of that info. He's got a Dudley's. He's kind of negative today. There's something going on. In I'm his, not being his, negative. Anyway, so look, I'm sorry we got Dudley this. Dudley owes me 20 bucks, too. Okay. 20 bucks. It's Wednesday. Yeah, geez. It's like the lottery around here. So, All right, so Daniel, we're listening to everybody tell, tell some uh, some deer stories. We just had Chris Hawley and a friend of mine named Rhett Kelly, who's a taxidermist. He just told his story. And so uh, – uh, we're we're up to you. We don't want to keep you hanging around here on the waiting for us to call. So we thought we'd go ahead and call you. Yeah, well, thank you. And uh, speaking of Rhett, I would I'd like to hear some deer stories, not from him personally hunting, but some of the strangest things that have happened when people drop in uh, deer off at his place. Yeah, yeah that could be I'm a sure pretty good taxidermy stories. <laughs> I like that a lot. Yeah, look, I'll tell y'all one real. While you're you brought that up, it reminds me about twenty years ago we were coming out with some new with shadow. I can't remember what exact pattern it was, but we decided to do some dioramas to take to the shot show, and there was. There was a, a turkey hunter leaning against a tree wearing green leaf, I think, at the time. So we had these mannequins, and Rhett built the dioramas the, that you would uh, that these hunters were sitting in. Well, another one was he made it look like there was some water. One of those is still out front, and uh, so there was a hunter from the waist up, like he was standing in water, leaning against a tree. And Rhett told me at one time when he was working on those, so we sent him clothes, we bought mannequins and sent down there, that this lady walked in to get a, a duck mounted that her son had killed, and she saw these these forms, these, <laughs> and she and she was looking at them, and he, he knew what was going through her mind. And she she was like, Oh my god, is that what I think? And he said he said, Yes, there's a new way that you you know, that you can remember your loved ones <laughs> <laughs> doing what they love the most. And he said she was just shocked. And he, he finally told her what, what was going on. But I always laughed at that. So we should get that done for you, Bobby. Yeah. So we can have you in the office all the time. <laughs> it would be. So All right, Daniel, let's get back to business. Why don't you tell us your story? <laughs> <laughs> um well i figured i'd tell a pop-off story since his stories are more interesting than mine and uh he can't be in the studio to to tell it himself um but at, last year as i think most people listening to the podcast saw the picture of uh grand and pop all together with the buck that he'd killed in mississippi hunting with dad uh which is one of the coolest pictures in in the history of mossy oak uh that so everybody knows we've we've begged every turkey that Pawpaw kills and every time we're at camp with them the past five years we begged Gran to get in a picture but she hates uh we always call her and mom the the people behind the scenes that you know everybody knows dad and Pawpaw but uh Gran and mom are always there but they both they never want to be on camera so Gran even in her uh in her old age won't let us take pictures and so last year after Pawpaw had uh, uh killed that buck after uh, we weren't sure how good the shot was. Dad went and trailed him. 
and uh, we all met up at Grand and Pawpaw's house to uh, show Pawpaw the recovery. And uh, I begged Grand, and so she put on uh, one of Pawpaw's old bottomland shirts over what she was wearing and went out there and took a picture with him. And uh, I'm so glad she did because it was so cool. But anyway, most people thought that was when that was where the season ended because uh, I think probably some people think every time Pawpaw gets in the woods, there's a camera with him. But these last couple of years, most of the time when he gets out there, uh, there there's not. We kind of just want to uh, you know, leave him be. The turkey footage that Neil filmed last year, as you can see, he was like holding a home video camera by his uh, waist when Pawpaw shot. So we've just uh, even if there's a 2% chance that a camera uh, messes up a hunt at this stage with Pawpaw, it feels like such a miracle just to get him out there. Uh, we don't want to take it. So anyway, so most people thought that's where Pawpaw's season ended last year. Uh, and as most people in Mississippi, Alabama know now, uh, we call it meat week, but Alabama's deer season goes, you know, all the way to the 8th to the 10th, depending on the year now. And uh, so last year we were down there for meat week, filling the freezer, and uh, – Pawpaw is filling up for uh, for another hunt, so on the ninth or whatever, I can't remember what day of the season ended last year, but the next to last day of the season, Pawpaw's filling up for it, and the weather is just right where it's going to be warm enough in the afternoon where he can go sit in the shooting house. So uh, we were talking to Grand and Pawpaw, and I, I meet him at the uh, the gas station about 20 minutes from where we're going to hunt because I was already at Shamula. Uh, so I meet Grand and Pawpaw down there, and they're all fired up getting out of Grand's little Toyota. And uh, we gather up all the stuff. We've got his little his sugar sack that's famous for anybody that hunts with him. Knows he's got the same old uh, little cotton shoulder bag from a uh, an old buddy of his. I worked at a, for a sugar company, and that's like his uh, his safety blanket when he goes hunting. Graham packs him up uh, peanut butter sandwiches and bananas and uh, whatever you know vegetable muffins, all the the stuff that he's allowed to eat. Anyway, I get pop on. We go down there and uh, meet Greg Briggs. Yeah. Uh, so we go out and sit in the shooting house and we're sitting there and it's just, at that point, it's so cool. Anytime these past couple of years, uh, every time deer season ends and every time turkey season ends the past three years, we've all kind of been at peace thinking that that was probably the last time he would ever deer hunt or turkey hunt. And then miraculously he gets back the next year and we're thinking, well, even if he's, uh, you know, still relatively healthy by the time he gets back to the next season, he probably won't be able to hunt. And then lo and behold, he, he hunts again. So, Anyway, I meet him down there. Me and Greg are sitting there, and we're just soaking it in, enjoying being out there with him. And uh, this this little eight-point walks out. And so I don't have any sense of urgency at all because I could kind of – Pawpaw couldn't see it yet. Uh, and I'd kind of seen it on the other side of a brush pile, and I I knew it was tiny and probably not a shooter. So uh, the buck steps out about 100 yards, and I've got no sense of urgency. And I just lean over to Pawpaw, and I'm like, hey, Pawpaw, there's a buck out there, probably not a shooter. What if you want to take a look at him? Greg hadn't seen it yet either, so Pawpaw gets his, uh, uh, leans down on a scope to get a look at him, and Greg is asking what he is, and I said, well, he's he's, he's pretty little, but you can shoot him. Boom! <laughs> <laughs> right through the heart. I was just, I was not prepared at all. I was just sitting there like, oh, we'll watch this little buck. There's about an hour and a half of daylight left, and <laughs> as soon as I thought Pawpaw was just glassing him, and as soon as he got on him, man, there's no doubt. He pulled the trigger, deer ran about. 30 yards and crashed <laughs> we were so fired up he was so excited after he shot that he uh he he dropped his rifle and the scope got a little little banged up so i think most people probably expect one deer especially the buck that he killed with dad in mississippi was was a great deer i'm pretty satisfied with the season so then he shoots another one 
so we're really like, all right, he's been hunting three, maybe four times this year, and he's killed two bucks. Uh, <laughs> this, this, I think we can, I think we can call the season and start praying that he gets the turkey hunt. <laughs> so he, we go out there, we uh, we recover and Papa's all fired up. We go back to the camp, and Grant is is more fired up than anybody. She's just giddy, laughing and kissing him, and uh, so we've got a we have a great night. We just there have a glass of whiskey and uh, just suck it all in. Papa just killed two bucks in the past month. So he wakes up the next morning and we're thinking he's going to go home. And he's like, all right, last day of the season. And we'll go again. <laughs> like, all right, Papa. <laughs> so I was the lucky one that got to go with him the day before. So, uh, and Greg was sitting with us. So Neil and dad took him, uh, on this day and he goes out there and, and, and all the, uh, you know, thinking that he, he wasn't going to hunt again. We forgot, this is my fault because I was the one sitting with him, but we forgot to shoot his rifle, make sure it was still on, uh, when he had gotten all jacked up and, and dropped it so uh they went out there and a huge buck walks out and uh papa was <laughs> about to go three for three and he he shot hit him way back and they ended up uh not finding him or anything but because the the gun was a little off but yeah at the end of uh deer season last year everybody saw that, that picture of him and Graham was the end of the season and he he ends up going two more times killing another buck and would have killed a third buck if uh if i would have done my job and and uh made sure the gun was was back sighted in but uh it was a it was a heck of a season it felt like a miracle every time and uh yeah that if he uh if he doesn't get to kill a deer this year i think that was his insurance policy making sure he he had two or maybe three in case he didn't get to go wow that's great yeah. man i love a good mr fox story yeah, yeah. who doesn't uh, you know it, it, they they just they're such he's such a just a cool iconic figure yeah and he I, I, loves to hunt yeah and i've i've never been with him but i i hear about how excited he gets and and vandy often mimics uh his heavy breathing when something comes out it's i mean it, it it's so funny whenever i mean no matter what it is Deer hunting, turkey hunting, whatever. Whenever it comes time, he just—it's <sighs> like the first time he's ever he's ever been. It's, I mean, to get that he excited gets, after after so doing it that up. long he gets so is jacked up. incredible. I mean, everybody, d- dad says it, but uh, yeah, everybody thinks that that Papa is this like gentle old soul uh, that is, he's not worried about killing anything anymore, and he and he is a gentle old soul but he wants to kill something as bad as more than you were thinking we how bad we want him to get a turkey or get a deer outweighs how much he wants to get one himself but uh it, and it is great medicine him anticipating being able to hunt again and then actually getting out in the woods is, is the best medicine on earth for him uh but he he wants to shoot another one so freaking bad and he although everybody that's cheering him on would uh would hate to know this he feels like he's got the the pressure of every single person at mossy oak and everybody that that he's ever known he knows how bad they want him to get another turkey get another deer so he uh he wants to get one for himself but he also feels like he's, he's gotta uh he's gotta get one more for uh, for all of us because he knows how bad we want one for him so uh yeah now that now that rifle season's opening back up he's he's not in great health right now but uh, you know all it takes is one afternoon of, of him feeling good and the the temperature being just high enough that he can go sit. So we're crossing our fingers that we can we can get him back into a shooting house sometime in the next month. Well, and don't, when, don't when forget it, to side in the old 243 pump before he goes back out. 
Yeah, we're we're on top of it now. Yeah. We already got it ready to go. When, when he raises that gun barrel, no matter what kind of hunting it is, you better plug your ear because he aims <laughs> on pulling the trigger. Yeah. When he raises that gun barrel. <laughs> How about that? Well, Daniel, we'll all uh, – uh, I'll tell you what, we'll make sure we uh, say a prayer for Mr. Fox and that, uh, that y'all get it to get out there this – this uh, this fall and winter with him we'll, we'll all be cheering for him out there's there's so many people that'd love to see another picture yeah we'll be crossing our fingers yeah that sounds good well thank you so much for that uh for that story and like just said who doesn't like a good mr fox story that's that that, that that was really good well so thank you so much and uh you're welcome to stay on here and listen uh or or, or if you need to go on about your day whatever you need to do yeah, I'm I'm gonna stay on and listen, but don't expect any commentary from me. I'll I'll kick it back to y'all. <laughs> Thanks, Daniel. Okay. All right. So Richie, uh moving right along, I'd like to uh summons the recording for of Matt Drury, if we could, please. Probably my favorite in recent years would be the the deer that, that Terry had that he called gnarly. My biggest deer ever, and and that's not the reason why it's a great story. It's because I almost found a way about two different ways to mess that that hunt up as, as I usually do and so we were there at uh, at dad's farm so early in October I had gone up there and I laid eyes had an encounter with an absolute giant that they call gnarly and uh, it was the first time they had laid eyes on him in person and uh, that year and he was just a, a, a big big deer and I, I mean after that I was like holy cow all right this is you know, it'd be fantastic if, if we could lay eyes on him again. And we go out uh, to a set that we call Matt, Matt's Killing Tree. So it's on a logging road that uh, historically I've had a ton of luck on. I, I've killed probably three different bow deer out of uh, a tree stand uh, on the other side of this logging road. Well, Terry and Forrest had sat there and they noticed the movement on the other side of the road. So they hung a new set. So this is my first time in the set. Forrest and I are hunting there uh, early in the morning. I believe it was, you know, October 26th or 27th, somewhere in there. And um, we're trying to catch, you know, something coming back to bed. So going from the biologic, you know, food source and then heading back into the bedroom. And uh, it was one of those years where there was a bumper crop of acorns and, you know, we were on this acorn flat and, and you know, just just in a good spot. And uh, beautiful, beautiful October, late October morning. The leaves were all changing colors. The sun was shining through, high-pressure morning. Just one of those days where you just cannot beat being out in the woods, no matter what happens. You're just watching the world wake up. So we're sitting there, and, and time had passed by, and we you know, we saw a couple deer, and uh, it had been a little bit, probably been 45 minutes since I had seen the last deer, and um, I think it was around 10 o'clock maybe. And so finally I thought, yeah, all right, let's, you know, let's get down and go back to camp and then we'll uh, regroup and get a bite to eat and head back out for the, the evening sit. So I start lowering my bow. Myself and Forrest were in two different trees. The set is, the, the camera guy's set is in a different tree. And so uh, I start lowering my bow and uh, I look down the logging road uh, out kind of towards the field. And I, and I said to Forrest, I think, I think there's a deer, there's a buck down there. I see a buck. And my bow was on the ground. So, um, you know, I had my backpack on and all my, you know, my rangefinder and my binoculars, everything's in my backpack. So I, I, uh, I'm looking down there and finally I think I see another buck. I'm like, oh, uh-oh. So luckily my, 
you know, my pull-up rope was, you know, still attached to the bow and still attached to, to my stand. And so I quickly pull the bow back up and uh, all of a sudden I see there's Gnarly. He's the third buck. And I, and, and I thought it was strange just in general that this little bachelor group at this point in the season was kind of following each other back to, to, to bed. And they were just kind of slowly feeding through the timber, eating acorns. And so we, I pull my bow up. I, I put my bow in the hanger. I get my backpack off. I pull out my rangefinder and binoculars, get that all settled, and, you know, and I'm strapped into the, the safety harness and, and all that good stuff. And uh, so I knock an arrow on my bow very quickly and kind of in haste, you know, because that, that they're coming, you know, and they're slowly coming, but they're still coming, and I'm trying to get settled back in. And um, lo and behold, this deer, all, well, the, the first one kind of moves past as a younger buck. The second buck was a good deer, a good five-year-old deer. Well, he kind of goes straight behind us on this logging road, and I thought for sure he was going to get our wind. Never, it was a high-pressure morning. Thermal's rising. He never caught us. He just kept walking, all right? So all we got to worry about now is if Gnarly's going to come in close enough to give us a shot. And he fed and he fed and he fed. And I, at some point, I put my uh, release aid on the D loop, all right. And I and I had just a little bit of tension on that D loop. And I must not have knocked my arrow all the way. It was partially knocked, and the arrow falls to the ground. And I mean, like so, you know, between the bow being on the ground originally, all my stuff being packed up, and then this arrow falls to the ground, and the deer might be 20, 30 yards from us, you know, kind of behind some trees, working his way slowly through the timber. And I knock another arrow and I swear that this, this, uh, this may be a fable at this point in in time, but I swear that noise almost called that deer to the tree of that arrow falling to the ground, like a, like an acorn had fallen to the ground or something. And he turned and he started walking straight to us. And then he started walking to my left a little bit. And he gave me a seven yard shot right below the tree. I hit him, you know, right there in the heart. He ran off, off, you know, ran away at, you know, probably 70, 80 yards over the logging road and over the hill to where we couldn't see him. And I'm just jacked up and pumped up. And I get dad a call and he hauled butt and he, he drove 45 minutes back to, to camp. We didn't go look for the deer without him. I wanted to experience that with dad, no matter what happened. I felt like he was a dead deer, but wanted to experience that with, with dad, potentially the biggest deer in my life. And we go to camp, we watch the kill. It looks good. We're all jacked up and we go in there and recover the animal together and, and, uh, some, some had, you know, a few tears and high fives and fist bumps. And it just, it was a special moment on several levels. You know, the story that the, the craziness of how it played out, of, of, you know, almost ruining the opportunity, almost getting down five minutes too early and all these things, the arrow falling off the knock. And the season before is when dad had his uh, tree stand accident. And, you know, we were just fortunate he was still with us and, and we were still be able to make these kind of memories together. And that to me will have to go down as, you know, no matter if I ever kill a deer again or kill a bigger deer or how many ever deer, it has to be one of the best stories that I'll ever have. And, and to share it with him and be there together, it's it's just, you know, one of those moments that I'll never forget. Yeah, I, well, that was a great story. And the fact that, you know, when we asked your dad a few weeks ago to tell a story, that's the story. He told it from his perspective. And for both of y'all to feel that way about the 
the the event and, uh, that that's that's really special. It's uh, as you know with, with your daughter Jessie, those those moments um, they're just they're special for different reasons and uh, to share and success of of someone you know, somebody else, somebody so close to you that you love so much and shares your blood. And, you know, and I, I look forward to those moments with, with my kids, hopefully one day soon. And when look, if I remember right, gnarly was like a hundred, 170 inch and some change it was somewhere in that world. What I mean, he's a yeah. giant deer. Yeah. The mass his mass. It was just incredible. And it's, I'm looking at him right now in my office as I, as I do this interview, he's, he's looking right down on me. So I, I get reminded of, uh, what I'm after here, and I may not not ever kill one like this again, and that's okay. It's because the story with it, just in the timber, in a tree stand, all the the mishaps, and then that experience of recovery with Dad is just uh, one I'll never forget. Well, we appreciate it. You take care now. We'll see you. All right. Thank you, Bobby. The juries. I mean, boy, they 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 know how to lay them down. They've got plenty plenty of deer stories. Right. Yeah. I love the the human aspect of that story. I mean, he still messed up a little bit and was was able to pull it off and had had a little bit of luck on his side, but uh, you know, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that take a handful of rocks or, or even grab acorns as they're walking in and, and and drop them. And it's I mean, deer will are attracted to that sound. Have yeah. you ever have you ever done that? I have. I don't know that I ever that it's ever worked for me, but David Lindsay swears by it. Especially with, and Dudley's not going to like this, but sawtooths. Mm. Well, you can use rocks, too. <laughs> or arrows or whatever. Uh, I well, wouldn't drop my arrow, but yeah. on purpose. But Well, I enjoyed that story. I, 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 y'all heard the recording, but, the, you know, when we asked Terry a few weeks ago on part one of this, that was his favorite story, too, his memory there with mm-hmm. Matt. And then for, and, and you know, and. Matt didn't realize that, and, yeah. and he told Matt as his. It was interesting to hear from each side, you know. Yeah, yeah, it sure was. So, all right, guys, well, let's move along. with The next story we've got, Richie, we've got, uh, you know, uh, the editor of our magazine, Todd Amonrude, lives in Minnesota, and he's a big, big bow hunter. He's killed a bunch of deer. Looking at Vandy, you got a smile on your face. Vandy, what's going on there? No, you... I, mean, I, I was just wondering how many of these – recordings we have yeah uh, well you're gonna get to go to lunch <laughs> i'm not i'm not really worried about that i was trying to leave here by lunch uh, okay well we don't have but a few more if All you right. don't mind so so richie let t- only t- four or five more yeah so todd uh you know he's the editor of our gamekeeper magazine he's a great guy big bow hunter and he's he had a really interesting story that uh, is worth hearing him tell manitoba their department of tourism used to give me a tag and I would go up there and hunt, and then I would write about Manitoba and about where it was hunting and things like that. So this would have been either, I'd have to look back, but probably 90 or 91. On the edge of a uh, big sunflower field, probably was about noon, when all of a sudden I looked over my left shoulder, and I saw the biggest buck I've probably ever seen in the wild in my life. Antler size, we'll say. I've seen some whopper body size in Iowa, but antler size this was the biggest buck i'd ever seen in the wild and um uh, all i tried to do is just calm my nerves the buck was at 18 yards i uh i drew back he stepped his leg closest to me forward and i fired and the shot looked so well (laughs) after i stopped shaking 
I hung my bow back up. I said a little thank you prayer to my Lord. Went back to the cafe in Latelier, Manitoba. I didn't want to walk in the cafe in my hunting clothes to get them all stinky. So I'm not rapping on the window trying to get my dad and the other guys who were already back in and uh, uh, ready to take a nap, I think, for the for the afternoon. And uh, and got them to come outside. And we all went back out and, and started tracking. We're planning on finding this deer within a couple hundred yards. Well, at about a couple hundred yards, this animal knew we were trailing it somehow and started to do some things that just boggled my mind. It would walk in a circle. I'm guessing a radius of maybe 20 yards and would walk the circle twice and then, and then turn off the circle. It looks like he got down on and, and crawled through this frozen creek bed so he could be out of view from us while he worked his way around us. That was our original thought is, whoa, 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 we're going to back out of here. It's up on its feet again. We gave it all night then, that night. So the second day, we're tracking it, and we get into this very thick woodlot. My dad and I are on the trail, and we post uh, my brother, my good buddy, John Haspel, I hand my dad my bow because I, you know, everybody always says, you got to get on, on your hands and knees to get through. I literally had to get down on my hands and knees to follow this trail through this thick stuff. And I got to within, I'll bet, hmm, eight, maybe 10 feet away from this buck. And it stood up and I thought it was going to charge me because it didn't run. It looked at me like, like, leave me alone. It, it turned over its shoulder and looked at me, and I swear the look on its face was, leave me alone. Well, it took off running. So it was hurting enough so that I could literally keep up with it while I was, I ran after it. So it's going out to the side that my brother is posted on, and, and God bless him. He's not a bow hunter, but he's trying to do his best. And he's it's cold, so he's wearing this goofy pair of mittens. I yell to my brother, Troy. I say, Troy, he's coming your way. And the buck steps out 20 yards from my brother, looking in the opposite direction, looking back towards me. And my brother pulls up his bow, comes to about one-eighth draw, and his mitten hits his release trigger and his arrow goes pink about four feet into the snow in front of him. <laughs> so we're able to drive across some stubble fields right in the, we had uh, two Suburbans. And, and we're following the trail right out the window. And my brother whips up his hand and points straight in front of us into the shelter belt and yells, there he is. And this buck turned around and came right back at us, right between the two vehicles. And this, mind you, these are pretty large agricultural fields there. We were able to drive alongside of this animal within 10, 15 yards, two different vehicles. We were on either side of it while it was, while it was running back towards some, some other woodlots. So everybody got a chance to see where I hit this animal. And it is astounding that it was not dead. It was, I would have said it was a 
perfect, perfect shot. To give you an idea of the size of this animal, it was a perfect six by six with, I'm guessing, 20 inch G2s on him. Uh, beautiful little stickers and stuff coming out all over the place. Everybody said it was well over 200 inches, and most of us guessed it right at about that, you know, 210 inch. Uh, inch mark. Holy cow, that's a big deer. Oh, it was, yeah, it just was hellacious. Like I say, probably biggest deer antler size I've ever, I've ever seen in the wild. I went back out by myself the next day and, and looked and looked and looked for us for a third day. We gave up, came back home, and two weeks later, I got a call from one of my friends from Latelier that said that he had seen the deer out feeding in the same in an, an adjacent field the field immediately adjacent to the one that i arrowed him in out feeding with about 30 other deer said he saw him out there and he was alive and seemed to be doing well quite a deer that's quite a story their instinct their, their will to survive is just uh incredible i'll never forget the experience all right todd well look uh we appreciate you being on here thank you we'll talk to you later thank you bobby Look, guys, a 210-inch typical. When he said 20-inch G2, and and I know Todd well enough. I mean, how many Pope and Young plus deer has he killed with a bow and arrow? Oh, yeah, like 40. Right. He knows. He he probably judged that deer properly. Yeah. So he did everything right, it seems like, but – but, that's crazy. Yeah. That stinks that it was archery, and they were driving while the deer was running. I mean, what, like in the movies, would you, would you be allowed to shoot an arrow out of the window? I don't think you can. I don't know. But, that's a crazy story. That sure is. So, uh, look, I'm kind of looking over here at Jess. You look like you've uh, you got a smirk on your face. Well, I know you got a good story. We'd love to hear yours. Yeah. I can picture Reminds that. Me, it's similar to the story I've got where I caught, you know, I caught a lot of flack over that, that story when it happened. It was back in 2018, right? Yeah. Is that better? Yeah, that's much better. The microphone is there for your. So the story I've got was, like I said, back from 2018. And I remember catching a bunch of flack over it, specifically from Bobby, as he often <laughs> accuses me of nothing you ever do is simple. <laughs> just normal. Um, but anyway, so yeah, my story is, I was, I was laughing at Todd's about, driving next to it because it, it reminds me of mine and it's the the biggest deer I've, I've killed to date i think it was a 158 so it's you know not that score is the, is the deal but just because it's a auditory thing just to give people an idea and he's a big mainframe six six point deer with a bunch of kickers and stuff so he's you know it's a big is a huge deer yeah um, Anyway, mainframe so, six that scores that much has yeah. got a lot of yeah. It's got a lot of trash on. and a bunch of you know his his stickers are tines basically they're 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 pretty long. But um, anyway, so it was I don't know it was 2018. It was one of those days where I remember it was a Wednesday and it had rained a lot the day before and it was and there was another storm coming and I was like, look, it's going to rain for the next couple of days. Not going to have a chance to hunt. So so you probably left me to handle the phones and went deer hunting. No, this was. After we worked in the same building, but I had for sure left somebody, you know, somewhere to, to do something. But I went and I don't know, long day, whatever, wasn't going to have a chance to hunt a lot. And, you know, this neck of the woods, mid-December is when it starts getting right mm-hmm. um, for us. And anyway, I just 
long day at the office, whatever, day before, so I had to get out there. But I, I remember just saying, I'm not going to go sit. I'm going to go, uh, as Lanny likes to call it, make a loop. You know, do some slipping. Do some slipping around. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Which is if you're, you know, like most people around here, if you have a trouble – if you have trouble sitting still, it's kind of the preferred method of hunting. Or if you don't have a place to your own place, you can go. Oh, if you, I was, this is on a lease I had. Are you suggesting that anybody here would have ADHD? Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, so it was on a lease I had with some with some buddies from the coast. Um, and it was around 2,000 acres. There was 14 people in it. But they all, like I said, they live on the coast. So um, occasionally I would have the place to myself. So I would go. <laughs> 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 slipping me, and tipping slipping around which is you know basically get a grunt call around your neck and some rattling horns in your rifle and get the wind in your face and start easing around so it's one of those days where there was it was on the front side of a storm so there were you know these big pockets of clouds that were coming over and had showers in it and it was it was a south southeast wind so it was it would have been coming you know from that direction but it was one of those deals where you'd have like a big rain cloud come over and it would drizzle on you and then it would clear up and you would have really sunny, just really bright sun. And then it just progressively throughout the day would get, you know, more and more cloudy. But, um, I started in our place. If anybody listening knows where the Brooksville bakery is in Mississippi, it was in that part of the world, not, you know, not close to that, but it was in that part of Knoxville County, which is, is a great place to hunt. But we, um, I went there by myself in the morning. I don't know, whatever it was like, 10, 10 o'clock, figured I'd go hunt midday, get in, park, get all my stuff together. Like I said, I had a rattling horns and, and a grunt call around my neck and, and, a, and a rifle and was, you know, the plan was to make this, to get the wind in my face and make this big loop, which would basically take four or five hours. So my whole method is go somewhere, sit down, get set up, you know, get tucked in by a tree, kind of like turkey hunting call and just wait and see what happens it's worked a lot in the past you rattle up a couple bucks or you know whatever see see deer come across and you just you know that's the way you hunt still hunting and so i'm going go through a food plot set up on the edge of that and then you know nothing there move down a trail i don't know three four hundred yards call nothing happens so i get to where there's a there's a big creek that runs down the middle of the property and you know it rained the day before there's so there's a lot of water running but this that to paint the picture, there's a big creek that runs through the center, and on each side there's mixed hardwood. So there's somebody planted a lot of sawtooth. Sorry, Dudley, back in the day. All right. You know the spot I'm talking about. Yeah. You've been there a couple times with me. But and there's water oak, sawtooth, a bunch of a bunch of ash, hackberries, a bunch of just mixed woods that that's a lot of fun to hunt. And then it's next to that's on both sides of the creek, and that's it's between a bunch of pines on each side. So there's a lot of edge area going there, and deer you know travel beside that, but I'm walking down the creek and I hear this really loud waterfowl, waterfall sound, just loud. And I'm like, God. So I go and I'm, I'm just kind of looking at it. And it turns out there's a big, one of these big trash cans that's like the, the ones that the trucks back in, they flip them over. Not like, you know, the big ones with the lid on it. Like and the, the big county trash cans. The big cans. county trash cans, yeah. And the water's running up it and then falling, making just the perfect waterfowl. And it's loud as hell. Like, it's three or four feet above where it's hitting down. So, it's just roaring like you wouldn't believe. So, I walk over. I hear that. And I walk over. And I'm looking at it. And I put my uh, gun down next to a tree that's that's right next to me. And I pull my binoculars up. And I'm looking. The wind's in my face. I'm working my way down this creek. And I look. 
and I'm just looking, you know, out through the woods just to see, you know, because I was already there. I kind of had walked up on top of a hill. And I'm looking at my binoculars, looking, and I see just a brown flash right there in front of me. I'm like, oh, my God. And it's one of those deals where you go into kind of slow motion mode. And as soon as I pulled my binoculars down, I knew, you know, it was a doe. I see her running off, and I knew there was going to be a buck behind her because of the time of year. And by the time I turn, if you imagine, I turn and look to my left, and I grab my rifle at the same time. I knew what was going on. And I look, and there's this deer, and he's running, and he's he's not full sprint. His tongue's hanging way out of his mouth, and all I see is his right side, which you, if you see a picture of the deer, it's just really thick and palmated on that side. And I can just see him, like, slow galloping, just ba-boom, 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 walking. You can't hear anything because of the trash can right there. The water's <laughs> so loud. So, all like I said, all I see was that, that doe run by, just a quick flash in my binoculars. I was looking through those. Look and see him, boom. I grab my gun and throw up on him. By that time, there's a lot of brush immediately to my – so, again, looking southeast, I look northeast at him, see him running. By the time I got the gun up, he just was behind a bunch of trash and thicket and was just on the other side of the creek. So, between me and him at this point, I don't know, 25 or 30 yards. So, he's – pretty close i keep my scope on like five kind of in the middle because you never know what's going to happen and he runs by me and and all i could think was i'm not going to be able to get it on him from behind as fast as he was running as close to me so i just i didn't know what to do i just picked up my gun and started running down the creek and hollering at him yelling hey hey like that and i'm and he was running slow enough to where and i'm not fast so he but was that he ruddy was, that you decided yeah, to. I just, by the time he came by me, I just picked up my gun and started running. You got to imagine I had my grunt call on, rattling antlers around my neck too, my binoculars around my neck, a backpack on. Probably a cigarette involved in somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had quit smoking by then. So I keep, I start running down the side of the creek and I don't know just was going and going and going and walking. I'm yelling at him and yelling and yelling and yelling. And I had my gun and it's like last of the Mohican style. If you remember that scene from the movie where they're all running and they've got everything going <laughs> and I'm like jumping over, you know, whatever vines and bushes. And I, I just remember him getting away and I was like, I got to do something now. And I throw up and just am looking through my scope, waiting on out ahead of him, knowing that the angle would, would be about right for a shot and just, remembering thinking as soon as you see brown pull the trigger because it was it was that close and i did i shouldered into a tree lined up where i thought he would be you know the right height and as soon as i saw brown i pulled the trigger and came up as soon as i shot i came up and was looking i saw him tumble boom 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 boom, and get up and start running again and i'm thinking oh my god so i started running by this time i, I just lost everything i had my backpack everything had come on cut up on my face if you remember my arms Everywhere is bleeding from running through briars. Just one of those deals where you completely blank out and, like, I guess instinct, whatever kicks in and you're savage mode. Trying maybe. to, yeah, you just, I mean, it's one of those deals you just got to make it happen. Like, I don't know how to explain it other than, you know, when you see a deer like that, everything you just, you know, kind of lose it. And that sounds like something, you know, maybe <laughs> Mark Drury would have done if, if he had a big deer come by, run yeah. off chasing it. Uh, <laughs> and I stop and, and he gets up and, and runs off, and I'm thinking, oh my God, did I hit him? The creek is big. I mean, it's, I don't know, it's 15 yards wide. You can't cross it. It's water's raging down through there. So I call a friend of mine, Seth Robbins, 
and I'm breathing, and I'm, you know, it's like, so, you know, all this stuff. And he's like, dude, calm down. What the hell happened? I heard a shot. And I was like, I just killed, you know, I just shot a monster. You got to get over here. We got to help find it. Um, a couple hours go around. I go around the backside of the property and we find blood and sure enough trailing. I don't know. He probably ran 150, 175 yards and had tried to get into the Creek and, and hung up in the Creek and was just there on the edge of the Creek dead. We pulled him out and the rest is history. But God, I'm, I just remember, like you said, you know, heart beating, everything just comes together and you don't know what to do other than you've got to make a shot somehow. Cause you can't let a deer like that pass you. And, and that's what I did. And it worked out. I'll tell you what, he's a hell of a deer. Great deer. Yeah. What did he weigh? Do you remember he was that? 200. He was big. Yeah, he was a big body deer. Big old deer. He was. I don't know. He was gray all around his face. He was. We didn't weigh him, but I don't know. It was easily over 210, 15 pounds. I mean, I got you know. We can look at pictures of him, but he's he was a hammer for sure. Mm, mm, mm. He's the one that's in Jess's Zoom background. Yeah, that's the other one. that's to the left. Which one? Oh, so it's it's not the one immediately behind you. It's the other one. No, that was, a, that was Jess's really office weird. is turning into like a miniature Bobby Cole museum now. Yeah, He's got, I wish. There's a lot of taxidermy in there now. But I, I, I'm still just interested in the fact that your brain took over and you chased the deer instead <laughs> of like waiting it's got a on fight the or flight. To circle around. And no, went, I mean they were running. It, it she worked. Was running I mean it speed. worked. I'm not picking on you. It was but, one of those deals where he. You know, they travel up and down that creek. They weren't coming back. Right. They were on a beeline. Yeah. I mean. Well, that's neat that you made that decision and it worked out. Yeah. I can't I probably even say that it just... was in, in intentional. I just It just happened. It just, whatever it was, that, that was the deal. Yeah, you can't even explain it when, when stuff like that happens. It just. It, it just happens. I do wish I had vid- a video of running down the creek, <laughs> hollering, you know, full knee bo- boots, all this stuff flinging off of me. So he was just completely rut stupid, and you were you were just trying to yell to get him to stop. Yeah, and his tongue. I'm talking about, you know, when I was running, it was for a few, I don't know how long it was, but for a few seconds we were neck and neck. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the- I bet the cuss words were flying. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Oh, the phone call so. after it would be. I, I wish I had a recording of that. Yeah, <laughs> that was yeah. The, that was the deal there. That's a good story, Jess. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that. So I'm looking at Vandy. We just pulled you in last minute. Have you got one that you want to tell Vandy? I mean, I don't have one anywhere near as cool as oh, of any of these other ones that, that have. That Jess is hard to top. I, yeah, I know. It's not going to be well. It's similar to Todd's with the truck driving. The <laughs> yeah. I was, well, I was yeah. laughing so hard. So yeah. I was in the shooting house, and a buck came out. And I <laughs> shot it, and we went and picked it up. Oh man! Yeah. Um, I mean the the one that comes to mind. Um, I can't even remember wh- when this was. Now it's been several years ago. Now, um, I w- went and hunted a, a stand. Um, that the taxi suggested that I go sit in and. Um, sat there all morning and saw deer moving off at a distance and they were all going in the same direction, going to the same spot. And so I asked him later on, I was like, you know, kind of gave him a description of where they were going. And he said, yeah, there's a little food pot back there in the woods and they're probably all going in there. I'm sure one of those big white oaks is dropping acorns in there or something. So he said, there's another stand in there. You should go hunt there tomorrow. And um, so like, like every other good hunting story, Nothing goes as planned to start with. Woke up late, was rushing to get there. My truck's almost out of gas. Have to stop and pump gas in my hunting clothes. Like, you know, all the stuff you don't want to do. 
and I'm starving. So I run to the gas station, grab, grab a few snacks, throw them in my bag, um, get to this stand, find it. Um, and, uh, I'm pretty sure it's one that my brother-in-law Neil had hung and he's notorious for, uh, you know, making sets where only he can get in them. Um, Got to jump six feet. To yeah, get so I'm the... I'm standing on top of the sticks, and I can just barely reach the bottom of the stand. So I have to, you know, pull myself up in there, and uh, it's not like I'm in tip-top physical shape or anything. So finally get up in there, get everything set up, uh, stop sweating for a little while. Um, and it's, you know, it, it's towards the tail end of the rut. This is like January, um, and so – there's just bucks cruising through there and I see several smaller bucks and I see one small buck off, you know, probably a hundred yards through the woods. And so I just grunt at him to see, you know, kind of see what he'll do. And he comes walking my way and, and I, I, you know, hear leaves rustling and he walks past me and I'm sitting there and I reach in my bag and I open a bag of those, uh, Welch's fruit snacks. <laughs> if you've ever had those, but they're delicious. Great adult fruit snacks. Yeah, great uh, uh, adult snack. Now uh, we'll keep them stocked in my house for my kids. But anyway, they were an adult snack that day. And um, I'm, I'm eating those, watching this buck walk off the other way. And I thought I heard something else behind me. And I turn and look, and there's a big, wide eight-point standing 10 yards right behind me. And I've got a handful of fruit snacks and I'm just standing there. Don't have my bow in my hand or anything. And he is for some reason oblivious to me being in the world. And he just keeps on walking and he's looking at that other buck the whole way. And he's just cruising right behind him. And so I, you know, quickly stuff the fruit snacks in my mouth and then grab my bow. (laughs) And as he's uh, walking by, he gets, you know, probably 20 yards past me and, He's not, I mean, he's walking like straight away from me. Won't really give me a good shot. And finally he, he turns just enough that I feel like I can get a shot off and I shoot and I hit him further back than I want to and just get right through the guts. It's like, God. And I watch him run down the hill and he stops at like a hundred yards and he's just sitting there just wobbling back and forth. And I was like, and I, and I, I can't, I can't text, you know, I'm shaking too bad. And finally I, I sit down on the base of the stand for like 10 minutes and I'm trying to, you know, control my breathing so that I can send a message out saying, you know, what had happened. And Toxie's like, you need to get down and come back to town and we'll go back and look for him a little bit, you know, give him a little bit. So we end up going back later on that afternoon. And, uh, I mean, he had, he had gone probably a 150 yards and, and was still alive. And I had to, to shoot him again with a bow from the ground. Uh, and it, it was, um, that was pretty difficult to to do at point blank range, but uh, anyway, got it done. It was that's one of the the many uh, stories that uh, end with me making a bad shot. But that uh, that was probably my my first big memory of me making a bad shot. That's good, and I, I wonder if the crinkle of the of the bag. It's probably the smell, rattled, probably rattled the smell the of the fruit snacks, okay. if I had to guess. Well, maybe we should. You know, one of the takeaways from that is. Always yeah. carry snacks. Well, everybody you ever hear that talk about trying to shoot a walking deer ends yeah. up shooting a little bit behind them. Oh, yeah. I mean, that that just that split second, that additional step puts six inches between. And I did try to stop him. Um, but, I mean, he, he was just like in a daze. Wouldn't hear it. Wouldn't hear anything, so. 
Maybe you should have yelled at him like Jess did. Yeah, or through the. I don't think I screamed at him, but I I mean, I think I, you know, made the gummies like acorns. Like, well, you probably had a mouthful of food and you couldn't make a noise. I was was trying to chew it up real fast. Uh, All right, that's a good story, Vanny. So I've got a little quick story that I'll tell, and um, (laughs) Richie, you know, Richie, Lord have mercy. Some days. But anyway, so my my little story. Uh, so you know, I started taking Jessie hunting when she was really little, and we she progressed from seven or eight years old on up. Well, in the you know the last few years she was in college, she'd want to go hunting, but I'd say, hey, let's go and hunt this uh, this one stand I like to go to, and it takes thirty solid minutes to walk to it, and she would always be like, ugh, that's such a long walk. Is there someplace else? So we never, I never really got to take her to this one spot because it was just, she, in her mind, it was such a long walk. Well, this particular year, she came home. She was living in New York City. She came home, and I said, she wanted to hunt, and I said, let's go. I've left this alone. Let's go to this one spot, and it's, and it's a 30-minute walk now. And she said, oh, that's nothing. So evidently, <laughs> in New York, 30-minute walks were you know commonplace. So, so we left out and walked. I was so excited to go to the spot, and I'd left it alone. We get there. Sitting there, the wind's right. It's in our face. Beautiful afternoon. It's in late December. The the rut's on. And as it's starting to get dark, there's a doe that just shows up in the woods. You can just see bits and pieces of an ear or an eye or a leg or just when they would move because it was really, really thick. And then I began to see a piece of an antler and then an ear and then a tail. And it, it was about a 20-minute cat and mouse game going on where you could just see – you couldn't see the whole deer. But he was obviously locked down on this one doe, and she was moving so slow. It was going to get dark before she got to us. And so, you know, Jesse's, she sees him, and he comes up on the opposite side of her. So I, I, we're in a two-man ladder stand. I just kind of kind of hunched over and let her lay the rifle on the top of my back. And it, we're still in a, it's in a, a very awkward situation. But so I'm trying to tell her where the deer is. She finds him, but she likes to zoom it up where she can see. Well, she would, we would find him and she would zoom the scope up and then he'd move and she'd lose him. And we'd have to zoom the scope back down and try to find him again. And this it was, it probably took 10 minutes, but it seemed like it was taking forever. But we could never see the whole deer. And so if you can, I'm trying, it's important that I tell that part of it. There was a lot of zooming in and zooming out. And finally this deer, it's, there's maybe 30 seconds of shooting light left. And this deer kind of comes out into a little bit of an opening and she's shooting across me. I'm bent over the rifles laying on my back and I'm trying not to break. All this is going on. And when she squeezes the trigger, immediately she said, dad dad and i look up and there's blood all over her face her whole face is just blood red that scope has bitten her in the eye and it's so so i saw the deer jump i know she's hit the deer and i I look at her and i'm telling you there's so much blood and it's just pumping and the cut is it's so that i can see how deep it is and I, i i grab a 
a, a little stocking cap out of my bag and start pressing it against her forehead. And I'm thinking, we got 30 minutes to walk out of here. My wife is going to kill me. <laughs> yeah. And, and that she's going to have a lifelong scar on yeah, the top of her eyes. I mean, there's all this is going through. So and it, we can't stop the bleeding. It's just, and it's just bad. So we, we climbed down and I said, okay, we got two choices. We can, let's get you out of here and go to the, 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 the ER and, you know, we got to get you seen about, or we can go try to find your deer real quick. She said, she said, we're going to go find that damn deer. <laughs> so so we, we, and everything is covered in blood by this point. So we get down and we, I, we go over to where the, the deer was last standing and we, her blood is contaminating the blood scene that <laughs> we're, we're trying to, but we ended up finding the deer and it was a great deer. It was a, a, one of the biggest, uh, I've never killed a deer here in Mississippi that size. It was a great deer. We find him, locate him. And then we got that 30 minute walk out and the, I'm trying to talk to my wife. She's on, she's got a friend that's going to become a dermatologist and they're FaceTiming and the, her friend is telling her, you need to get to the ER as quick as you can. It's pretty good guy. Well, we get up to the ER and they think she's been shot when we walk in. <laughs> <laughs> but they end up just taping it up and uh, she she has a scar. It kind of looks like Harry Potter, how Harry Potter had a scar, but it's about gone now. But I've heard her say many times that she wishes it was like a badge of honor. That Her uh, going back to New York, New York, and telling all her yeah. New York City friends what happened <laughs> yeah. is another good that thing to, to be, think about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What happened to you? Well, I was in Mississippi. <laughs> shooting at a deer. Deer hunting with my dad. Number one. But, so, <laughs> yeah. you know, it wasn't like it was a great Triggering big a caliber, 25-06, but in the process of zooming that back and forth, she got the, the butt of the rifle off yeah. her shoulder. And it yeah. just pounded her. So, anyway. That was it, a, it can happen to anybody. I, oh, I did no it doubt. sighting in my muzzleloader last year. You know, never happened to me before. Not nearly as bad, but it hurt. Yeah. Well, that it, it does hurt. Mac, have you ever been bit by a scope? I have. It does hurt. So, well, um, look, Mac, do you have a story? I'm good. I've got some turkey hunting stories, but nothing crazy in the deer woods. Dudley, why don't you do some uh, some rapid fires? The rapid fires brought to you by Springfield Armory. Dudley, you've got one of the pistols now. Have, have you had a chance to I'm shoot gonna it? I'm going to try it this holiday. We're going to take it to the range and get some get some 45s at Gary's and fantastic pistol so why don't you uh why don't you ask Jess that your rapid fire questions and we'll just call it a, a day after that all right Jess Jess don't don't think just answer gotcha are you ready I like this music I hop or waffle house waffle house ice chest or cooler <laughs> not even a question ice chest of course all the way all the time chest. yes a cooler is something you walk into uh, an you, ice chest is a box a cooler you, you plug up into the wall yeah it's like at a restaurant yeah uh coffee black. i could argue about that all day long <laughs> you like your coffee black or dressed black uh bottomland or green leaf mm. oh that one's tough you can say both i'll go with both catfishing or brim fishing Catfish. Flatheads or blue cats? <laughs> Flatheads. Early AM or up all night? Both. You are a both. You're a rare both. Captain D's or Red Lobster? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Jess grew up. He's a fourth generation shrimper, so he only eats gulf shrimp. N- no. So that's always yeah. a joke. Neither is. Uh, flip flops or Crocs? Man, that's a tough one. 
Crocs in the winter, flip flops in the summer. There those, you go. those new Crocs, I, I saw. got Crocs on now. The Luke Holmes co- Crocs are yeah. Those Crocs are questions out. here. All right, uh, Thanksgiving turkey, regular or spatchcocked? Fried. Fried. You're the man. All right. Uh, lastly, Luke Bryan or Luke Combs? <laughs> Luke Combs, all day. Ding 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 yeah, ding, yeah, ding, yeah, ding, yeah. ding ding ding. I get. I gave Dudley so many good ones. You did. To ask you. That, did, can we debate about the ice chest no, cooler? No, for hang a while. on, hang on. I, Dudley didn't ask half of the questions that I. Gave. Well, what were they? Say one. I said bozos or lighthouse. Oh, I can't answer so, that. One's good one. for Alabama. One's good for Mississippi. That's tough. That's tough. It's they're not. It's not apples to apples. And so. I said shrimp or scallops. Well, I changed that to Captain D's or uh, Red Lobster. That's right, a good well, one. That's a better one. If anybody wants to debate ice chest versus cooler, I'm here all day. The cooler literally keeps everything cooler than It's the an ice chest. It's an ice chest. This was this has been fun. I love listening to these deer stories. We all love deer so much and it's deer season. This is uh this is something you can get you can listen to while you're in a deer stand. Or on the way to on the, the way deer there. camp. Yeah. So Richie, have you got anything? Yeah, yeah, that's that's Richie. So uh Look, uh, Dudley, I'm looking at you. You look like you enjoyed yourself. Vandy, it don't please nobody get between Vandy and the door when this thing is over with. It's lunchtime and you could get hurt. So yep. all right. Mac, you you're waving at me. You, you, I mean, we're almost in December, so best holiday there is, Christmas, is coming up. So check out mossyhookstore.com. Yes. You know what? That's a great I'm glad you brought that up. And go sign up for the uh Uncle Ray's boatload of chips giveaway. Well, there's two things. We had a commercial plan for this one that we somehow missed. And thank you, Mac, for bringing that up. And also, there was one other thing. It's cold weather now. Stormy Cromer. Yeah, that they fit your head so good and keep your head warm, guys. It's the best fitting hat that I've put on in a long time. They're awesome. You need to check them out. There's a Gamekeeper edition at StormyCromer.com. My head's so big, I had to get one custom ordered. (laughs) And then my dog chewed it up. So, I, I guess I need another one. You and your dog. Is that the three-legged dog? The three-legged dog, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, anything else? I'm. Uh, let's, let's get on out of here. Why don't you say goodbye, Dudley? Goodbye, Dudley. Get us out of here, Mac Mac. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Gamekeeper Podcast. And be sure to tune in again. Subscribe to Gamekeeper Farming for Wildlife magazine. And don't miss the Mossy Oak Properties Fistful of Dirt podcast with my good buddy, Ronnie Cuz Strickland.